All right, Transit, we're going to dive into the Word here. And uh, this morning, I'm not preaching. It'll be my father-in-law, Chris Halloran. So I just figured I'd do a quick intro. Uh, met this man in 2007. Uh, I was moving up to Newport News, and I needed a place to stay. I needed a college to go to, and I needed a job. And in one weekend, I had a job uh, bartending, uh, found it, and I uh, got signed up for community college and went to the church. They had just planted about three months into it. And I uh, met his family, and they were like, yeah, just stay with us until you find a place. Um, they have eight kids, uh, and so they just adopted me as their ninth kid. So I'm their official ninth kid. And uh, about two and a half years later, um, God really made it clear that Abigail and I were supposed to be married and together. And so now we are. But during those two and a half years, uh, Chris took me in. He fathered me. He loved on me. Uh, we, we prayed together. Uh, every Tuesday from 12 to 1, you could count on it. We're in his home praying together. And so he's, if there's a passion I have for prayer or for talking to people about Jesus, it's probably because I've spent some time with Chris Halloran. Uh, it's just contagious. You get around him. He just loves Jesus. He loves telling people about Jesus. So as he brings the word this morning, know uh, that his, his, it's, it's his lifestyle. It's not just words he's speaking. Anything he's sharing this morning is because he does it day in and day out. So that's my father-in-law. He's going to be bringing the word this morning. Welcome him. And uh, let's, let's receive the word. <laughs> Awesome, awesome, awesome. So uh, honored to be here with you guys this morning. And man, I love the transit. I love what God has done and what he's doing and what he's yet to do. And uh, we've been apart from afar of the transit uh, from Newport News, Virginia. And now we're out to Colorado Springs. But um, super thrilled to be here this morning uh, with you. But I want to start by saying, you know, we all have uh, different lifestyles that we walk in. Everyone has a lifestyle. And uh, it, it defines kind of somewhat what we do. Our lifestyles define kind of how we spend our time. And uh, everyone has one. You know, you got some people, they've got a, a jet setter lifestyle. They just seem to be always flying here and there. You've got some people that are real homebodies and they got a homebody lifestyle. And some people have a workaholic lifestyle. God's been on me for decades to not be that guy. But uh, some people have that. Some people have a hectic lifestyle. Some people are more chill. They got a country living lifestyle. They're down south, right? That's not us here in, in the D.C. area, I'm sure. Some people are city slickers. Some people have a sports fanatic lifestyle. And, uh, how about those capitals, man? One in overtime last night. Anybody excited about that? I'm from Boston, so I'm not quite as excited about that, but... You got soccer moms, they've got a lifestyle, and on and on, empty nesters. That's what my wife and I are, believe it or not. Eight kids are all out the door. I can't believe we've gotten this old. It's crazy. Some people have a shopaholic lifestyle, and this can go on and on. It can revolve around a hobby. It can revolve around maybe running or sailing, uh, gardening, biking, lifestyles. We all have one. And if I haven't named yours, you can probably, quick as lightning, come up with it. But I want to encourage us today that there's a lifestyle God wants all of us to have. All of us that are following Christ, I believe there is a lifestyle that we are to all participate in. It's not just for Pastor Nick. It's not just for Joseph Workman or the rest of the leaders here in the house. It's for the entire body of Christ. And, and um, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's, not, it, it's a lifestyle that infiltrates every other part 
of our lifestyles. It really does. We make it a part of wherever we go. We make it a part of whatever we're doing. And uh, you can bring it to work. You can bring it to the park. You can bring it to your neighbors. You can bring it to your extended family. You can bring it to the gym. You can bring it wherever. And uh, you're probably not all that curious because Jess did an awesome job kind of tipping the hand here this morning. But I'm talking about kingdom outreach lifestyle. Having a kingdom outreach lifestyle. It's a way of living. No matter where we go, every day, every week, every month, every year, God's kingdom is growing. The kingdom of God is advancing on the earth. Jesus promised us that this kingdom, God's kingdom, would advance every single day on into eternity. And if we've come to Christ, we've been born again, we're part of that kingdom. And the kingdom is really what it's about. It's about the rule of God. And God's rule is extending on the earth. God's rule is extending in Washington, D.C., and it's extending into your neighborhood and, and to where you work and where you shop and where you play, whatever it is you do. It's always growing. And so we've all entered it. So a kingdom outreach lifestyle, it's about walking in this other realm. You see, when we're born again, our spiritual eyes get opened up. Anybody kind of have that experience when you came to Christ? I know for me, I was lost as an Easter egg growing up. I did not grow up in a Christian home, but at 19 years of age, I gave my life to Christ. And all of a sudden, I mean, I had never read the Bible in my life. I'd never prayed in my life. I was like a genuine, real heathen. And um, so at 19, a couple other soldiers in my unit shared the gospel with me. I'd never heard it before. And all of a sudden, my eyes were opened up. And the things of eternity, the things of God's word just came alive to me like that. And I began to tap into this, this spiritual realm, this, this eternal, beautiful kingdom, uh, the, this kingdom that brings peace to our lives, it brings rest to our souls, this kingdom where we're forgiven of our sin and, and we're in right standing with God, all these beautiful things. And, and uh, there's eternal purpose that's involved. And so it's about walking into this, and I'm not talking about being weird, okay? Just to set you up here. I'm not talking about, you know, we've got to be these weird guys that are up on a, a soapbox, you know, and you're out there in the corner with the megaphone, and that's not where I'm going here this morning. But I believe God can make us agents, and I believe he's called us to be agents of his kingdom on the earth, no matter where we go. And I believe, really, as we're following Christ and we engage in this activity, I call it a kingdom outreach activity, man, I believe our life, and Jess did an amazing job of, of talking about it, our, our life goes from here, our walk with God, I believe, goes from here to here. You see, because when we are living with this lifestyle of, man, I'm just here to impact people, I'm here to love people, serve people, reach for people in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, man, an adventure begins. And I believe our faith just takes a whole nother level of meaning and purpose, and we get to tap into this thing. It's awesome, awesome, awesome. See, Jesus, this is, this is our message. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stepped down from heaven 2,000 years ago and gave his life for us. He hung on that cross and rose from the dead three days later. We sung of it this morning, right? 
and he's ruling and reigning in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And we get to take this message, this glorious message that has brought us life and forgiveness and peace and joy and purpose, and we get to share it with the world around us. Our call is to go and make disciples. We've been commissioned. Matter of fact, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting when you, when you read the beginning of the book, Genesis chapter 1, God says the first four words that God spoke to mankind were what? Be fruitful and multiply. And so then this, that thing echoes on into the New Testament where Jesus, before he left and went back up to be with the Father, what did he do? He commissioned his disciples, his followers, right? To say, look at, man, I'm, I'm beaming up. I'm going back to be with the Father and I'm giving you a mission and I'm commissioning you. All authority on heaven and on earth is mine and I'm giving it to you. And I want to empower you to be my ambassadors, to be ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven on the earth. Anybody get excited about that this morning? I mean, just think. I mean, you're called to be an ambassador of the king of all the universe. I mean, I know some people, they might get excited. I'm going to be an ambassador for the United States of America in Europe or here or there. Well, that's cool, but that ain't nothing <laughs> compared, to what we, compared to what we get to do as his followers ambassadors representing God on the earth. It is so, so cool. So it's a broad topic, and, and we can talk about many aspects, but basically we're called, we're commissioned to go and make disciples. And today I'm going to talk about, I just want to speak a little bit about simply the go part. Because, you know, you can't make disciples if you don't go, right? Right? You can't make disciples if you don't step out of your comfort zone and, and reach out with the love of God, the grace of God, the word of God uh, to other people, right? That's the first part of making disciples is going. And, uh, and, I, and my encouragement uh, to you guys as the transit, and I'm praying for you. I just want you to know I'm, I've been commissioned by Pastor Nick to be a part of, of praying for you. And this is something I've been digging into over the last couple of months, I'm praying for an awakening to come to our hearts, to your heart, uh, to the reality of this call that I'm talking about this morning, to go and reach for people, love people, serve them, that we could win them into his kingdom. Anybody with me? I mean, this is, this is a part of our call, all of us that are Christ followers. We can't make disciples without going. And so I believe this kingdom outreach lifestyle, it impacts uh, what we do, it impacts how we live, and uh, as we walk this out with intentionality, with focus, and with passion. And so I'm going to talk about building a kingdom outreach lifestyle, building it. It doesn't happen overnight, just like anything else that you build. Uh, you know, if you're, 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 you're set to build some big skyscraper, it doesn't just pop overnight and, man, next day you wake up, it's there. No, it, it takes building a foundation and building different things. It takes a long time. Matter of fact, they're building a dentist office right in front of the place that uh, we just moved into a few months back. And, man, it's taken a whole lot longer than I thought it would take. It's still a mess out there. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Come on, let's get this thing done, get it cleaned up. But, man, it takes months. It takes a good while. And it's, it's the same with this lifestyle of, of, of building a lifestyle uh, with a, a kingdom outreach lifestyle. So I'm going to talk about four things real quick. And I really help, hope you'll take this to heart. Very, very practical, some of what I want to talk about this morning. 
But my prayer over the last couple weeks has been, Lord, I want to leave an impartation in the heart of the transit. I want to leave another measure of faith in the house that, man, we can go. We can reach for people. We can connect with them and show his love and reach for them, see the harvest and see people being born again, one into the kingdom of heaven. So number one, my first point about building a lifestyle, kingdom lifestyle, outreach lifestyle, is you've got to get your, you got to get dressed. All right? Don't go out there. And, no, I'm not talking about you. You got to get dressed. All right? To be a kingdom agent, you need some special shoes. This is what I want to talk about. We need some special shoes to get out there and be an ambassador for Christ. And I'm not talking about the latest Air Jordans. I'm not talking about the latest, greatest Skechers or all of that. Paul wrote to the believers in Ephesus. I hope you guys realize where I'm going. He said, look, we need to put on, we need to be people that are putting on the armor of God every day. And it's, a, it's out of Ephesians chapter 6. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I hope you'll go home and read that today because it's something I've been doing for about 40 years now. Every single day, putting on the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, all these different parts of the armor. But I'm, I'm talking primarily here this morning about, it's out of Ephesians 6.15, where Paul wrote, have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You see, when you get up in the morning, my encouragement to you this morning, I want to begin with this encouragement. When you get up in the morning, part of preparing for your day is that by faith, you, would have put, you want to put on a readiness to share your faith with the world around you. That's what the gospel shoes are, a readiness. We want to be prepared uh, to share the gospel. We want to believe God for opportunities that day to share Christ in some form or fashion with someone. It's a mindset. And so I know for me, when I'm putting on the readiness of the gospel of peace, when I'm putting on these special kingdom shoes, right? They're awesome. They're better than Air Jordans. They're better than any other shoe you could ever put on. But when I'm putting those things on, I'm praying. I'm saying, God, today... Make me ready. Help me be ready. Help me to anticipate. Uh, give me opportunities. Help me to see the opportunities. Keep me, God, from being flat-footed. I want to be ready uh, with these shoes, these gospel shoes, to share my story with the world around me, no matter where I go. And I've been doing this every day. I pray into it. I'm expecting God, I'm believing God, I'm hoping for chances to share what God's done in my life every day. And this is a life goal of mine. Every single day, I want to see and seize the opportunities to share what Christ has done for me. Anybody excited about what, what, what Jesus Christ did for you? I mean, just think of all, I mean, I appreciate Joseph leading us into that exercise of giving thanks to God. I mean, God's been so good. Transit, check it, right? If you know Christ, you will never see the inside of hell. I'm never going to see it. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're never going to see the inside of hell. And we could stop right there and say, wow, that's motivation enough. Because I have neighbors and people at 7-Eleven and people I know here or there they're not in. 
And if they were to die today, they would be on, they're on that broad road to destruction. If they died today in their sin, they would go there. They would see the inside of hell. So that burdens me. That, that puts a passion inside of me. It's like I want to rise up with some compassion that Jesus Christ has saved me from my sin. He's forgiven me. He's called me. I'm his kid. I've been adopted. Anybody stoked about being a son or daughter? I'm a son of the king of all the universe. And he gave his life to save me from my sin. And I've been, I've been adopted and I'm accepted and I'm forgiven and I know where I'm going. Not because of anything I've done or ever will do. The son of God gave his life for me and I'm in. And I just want to carry that passion to, to try to drag other people off of that broad road of destruction into the kingdom of heaven. It's so awesome. So I have a question. Will you need anything to share your story that day? Well, we'll talk more about that in just a little bit, okay? That's just a little hook. So number one, you've got to get dressed. Number two, keep your eye on the prize. Listen, what's the greatest prize on the earth? What has more value on the earth than anything else? People. People. Our Savior died for people. He came to save sinners. Anybody grateful that Jesus Christ came to save sinners? I'm a sinner. I'm so thankful that he came to save me from my sin. I'm 41 years into this thing, and it still makes me cry to think, wow, Jesus, you came and died for Chris Halloran. It's so incredible. Your love for me is so amazing. And so I believe it's part of our job to win for him the prize of his suffering which is people. So a kingdom outreach lifestyle, we have to fix our eyes, our heart, and our mind on the things above, on the object of the gospel, which is people. We've got to think about the people around us. You see, it's so easy, right? Just to keep a focus on our own stuff, right? Anybody with me? I mean, I'm, I, I get there. I confess. Man, I'm just, you know, we can get consumed with our own bank account, our own family, our own house. Man, we've got to take care of that car. We've got to take care of these kids. We've got to clothe them and feed them. And there's this and there's that. All of our interests. There's nothing wrong with these things. I'm not saying, you know, family's awesome. Man, I love family. I love my wife. I love these eight kids. Now we've got 12 grandkids. And yeah, we've been fruitful and multiplying, man. There's 27 of us now. So that's one way of, of working this thing out. But all that stuff is awesome. Uh, but there's people that are out. There are people that are lost and they're dying and they're in bondage and they're, and they're blind. They cannot see. And so I want to lift up our eyes. See, this is what we got to do. We got to get ready, have our feet ready, shod with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And then we need to lift our eyes up above our own stuff and see the people around us. See them. I mean, really see them. I mean, that's a great prayer. God, would you help me to see whoever I'm hanging out with or whoever I bump into, whether it be at Target or Walmart or wherever it is you go and shop and work and play. God, help me today, no matter where I go, to see these people like you do. Give me your heart for them. I mean, that's a great prayer. God, give me your heart for my city. God, give me your heart for that neighbor that irritates the fire out of me. You probably don't have one of those. Give me a heart for that boss who just seems to be 
I won't get into all that either. I mean, right? Anybody have one of those bosses ever? I had a few of those in my lifetime, even in ministry. It's like, wow, I thought you were a church guy doing... Now they're out there, right? So God, give me your heart. Give me your heart. Help me to lift up my eyes and see. It's so vital. It's where our focus is. Jesus was encouraging his disciples about this one day. It's in John chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus said, look, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. Look at them, for they are already white for harvest. You see, it's lifting up our eyes beyond our own needs. It's lifting up our eyes beyond our own wants. See, again, our lives can be so full of temporal clutter, and we can miss out on engaging on the lives, the people uh, that are all around us. Kingdom activity. In order to, to have a kingdom outreach lifestyle, we've got to get beyond our own stuff, our own stuff, our own family, our own whatever, and look and see. Lord, what are you doing in that co-worker's life? God, what are you doing in my neighbor's lives? What are you doing there? The guy at the post office and the person at 7-Eleven. I mean, I just love just thinking no matter what line I'm waiting to buy a cup of coffee or I'm waiting to get some groceries or whatever, I'm always thinking, man, I wonder where this cashier's at. I wonder if she knows Jesus. I wonder if she's lost. I wonder if she's got this or that going on in her life and then just trying to engage with her. I mean, I know you can't have this long 15 minutes later trying to preach Christ and the people are lined up down the back. That's not what I'm talking about, but it's like, what could we do? Can you look them in the eye and simply and say, hey, God bless you today. Man, I hope you have a wonderful day. You know, it could be as something as simple as that. How can I reach? How can I serve? I know we just moved from Virginia and we lived on a cul-de-sac with 12 streets. This might be a good example. We lived on a little cul-de-sac, about 10 or 12 houses there. And, and I'm a runner, skinny, dot, skinny dude. That's about all I can do. I can run. And I've been running for like 15, 50, 50 years or something crazy. But anyways, at the end of every run, I, stopped, I would stop at the beginning of our cul-de-sac and pray for every single family in our cul-de-sac, all 12 of them. And I pray, God, open their eyes. God, awaken them. God, would you give us wisdom on how we can reach for them? How can we love our neighbors? And so we had block parties for our, our little cul-de-sac. We had Christmas parties for the people in our cul-de-sac. We would do this, try to get lunch with different ones and, and uh, things like that, just trying to connect with them, right? If you're going to reach for people, it's so much more effective if we take the time to connect with them. Anybody understand that? I mean, that's so huge, building relationship, building bridges of love and trust with them. And so one of them, our closest neighbor that we've been reaching for, and we saw some great fruit from that cul-de-sac, but one guy that uh, we are still, my wife is, is, is continuing to reach for him, even though we've moved to Colorado Springs. He's, his name is Chuck, and he lives across the street from where we live, and he was an engineer, really, really smart, an atheist, a devout atheist 14 years ago. You know what he is not today? He is not a devout atheist today, because for 14 years, we've been praying for Chuck. We've been reaching for him. I had lunch with him every three or four weeks and hanging out and just sharing Christ with him. And, and then uh, about five, six years ago, he had a number of strokes. He had a sailboat. He used to walk. He was very active, very sharp in his mind. And through these strokes, it has really slowed him down. He had to give away his boat. 
He can't walk. He can barely walk now at this point. One of his arms is, is crippled up. His, one of his legs is crippled up, and he can, can't even talk very well. And so Susie, God bless her, she, she just, her, her love for Chuck just rose up, and she started to go over there and read books with him. And so every week, uh, every, uh, twice a week, actually, she'd just read a book with him. She'd read a chapter, and they'd talk it, and some of them were Christian books, some of them were not. But through the, over the past two or three years, she's been loving on him and reaching for him. She's probably his best friend. And just reading to him, just giving hours and hours and trying to plead and, and say, Chuck, you know, Jesus Christ is real. There is a God. And, and he has moved from a devout atheist to Ooh, way over here. He's not quite in the kingdom yet, but we are trusting that one day we're going to see him in heaven. I mean, it's so precious. It breaks my heart. It's just awesome what Susie's doing for him now. And so they Zoom now every week for an hour, continuing to read books, and she's sharing Christ with him. Let's keep our eyes on the prize. The prize is people. The prize is people. Number three, here's another point that I think is so vital that we need to engage on the go. If you study through the New Testament, in Jesus' ministry, in the ministry of the apostles, so many times they, quote, ran into kingdom opportunities along the way. Along the way. Not many set appointments. Rather, Jesus and the disciples, the apostles, they were, they were bumping into people on the road. Jesus bumped into people at the well. Jesus bumped into people wherever he went, and then he would seize the opportunity to reach for them, to love them, to share with them. The account of Jesus uh, with uh, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, right? Jesus was in Jericho. He's minding his own business. He's walking through uh, the city, and he's just passing by, right? And he looks up, and there's this dude in a tree. That had been interesting, right? I know everybody kind of laughs at Zacchaeus, the poor dude. Imagine when he, we get to heaven, everybody's like, where's the short dude, Zacchaeus, man? I want to check him out, meet that guy. But Jesus is just walking along, and he invites himself over for lunch. How about that for an outreach strategy? And this is just a little side. I want to I submit this to you today that I believe, this is, this is one for free. Let the people you're reaching for see your need. You know, let them see your need. I'm all about, now I grew up in poverty, so that's probably part of it. I don't mind asking people for anything. I really don't. Drives my wife a little bit strange. But, you know, I love it when we run out of eggs or we run out of milk and we've got to go ask a neighbor for an egg. Or we've got to go ask a neighbor for a stick of butter, whatever it may be. To me, it's kind of fun because that's what I did as a kid, part of my uh, upbringing. But, but, you know, when you reach out, when you're reaching for someone and you let them see your need, and let them help you, I believe that's part of building a strong bridge. You know, we don't have it all together. You know, us Christ followers, we, we don't. We don't have it all together. We have needs, and I believe God can use even that. And so it's biblical because right there, Jesus invited himself over for lunch to Zacchaeus' house. So if it's good enough for Jesus, good enough for me. It's good. How about John chapter 4? Jesus encounters this Samaritan woman at the well. Same thing. What did he do? He asked her for a drink of water. He acknowledged his need. Man, he was thirsty. And he asked this woman for a drink, and that's how this kingdom opportunity unfolded. He left Judea, John chapter 4, starting in 3, and he departed again 
for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. He was just passing through. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar and near the field that Jericho had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. And it was about the sixth hour, a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy some food. Jesus was simply going from one place to another, and this kingdom opportunity pops up on the grid. He was simply passing through that part of Samaria. Did he have an appointment with this woman? No, no appointment. None of that. He didn't have this big place. He's passing through, bumps into this gal, and he seizes the opportunity, and this woman's life has changed forever. And not just his, her life. I mean, the whole village came out to hear the words of Jesus because of her testimony. Come, you got to meet this dude that told me everything I've done in my life. It rocked her world, but he was just passing through. And there she was. And I believe it's the same for us, that this same pattern can be a part of our lifestyle. The Apostle Paul did likewise. He engaged people on the go. He was in Berea, and there were some troublemakers that came from Thessalonica to persecute him. And so other the, the other team members were left there to kind of wrestle through that, and they sent Paul ahead to Athens. So he's waiting there for the other brothers to come, and a kingdom opportunity presents itself. Acts 17, now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day. Check it out. With who? With those who happened to be there. These people just happened to be there. He wasn't making appointments. They weren't lining up. Oh, I got a four o'clock. I got a five o'clock. No, no. He just reasoned with the people that happened to be there. It's powerful. So my question is, who are the people you're passing by every day? Who are the people that God puts in your path that you're just doing business? You're just going to get gas. You're just going to get groceries. You're just going to work. Maybe you're going to the park for a hike or play some hoop or whatever it is you do with your life. Maybe you're a golfer, whatever it is. You know, who are you passing by? Who is the person at Starbucks or 7-Eleven, the grocery store, the restaurant? You're waiting in line, the waitress that's serving you, the checkout person. Is there something you can say? Is there some way that you can reach for them? And I'm going to get practical with some tools, my final point here in just a few minutes. But how can you engage? Again, even just saying, God bless you to your waitress. God bless you to that gal at 7-Eleven, you're getting a cup of coffee, whatever, I believe can make an impact. We're going to be praying, like this, this could be one year at a restaurant, right? And you're sitting down at the restaurant and, they, and the waitress brings you uh, your food. And you know what I love to do? I love to look up at his or her face and say, hey, you know, we're going to be praying over our food in a moment. Man, we'd love to pray for you. Is there any way that, that we could pray for you as we pray over our food? I've been in restaurants where all of a sudden they're tearing up because they're burdened and they're heavy and they're depressed or they're broke 
or their whatever, right? Fill in the blank. That could be an opportunity. How can I pray for you? And again, it's not, you don't have to be weird. We're going to be praying over our food. Into this, you know, just, we're going to, we're, we're going to, hey, we're just, we, 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 we pray over our food. Man, we'd love to just pray for you today. Anything we could pray about? Yeah, my marriage is in shambles. Could you pray? My husband's about ready to have surgery, whatever, right? But again, it's just seeing, man, there's opportunities. Think about how you can share some of your story. Check it out in 30 seconds. Think of how you can share your story in one minute, three minutes, five minutes. We think about a lot of stuff. How about thinking about those things? How, you know, I've got an opportunity for 30 seconds sharing my story. One minute, five minutes, whatever it might be. I think like that. It's like, man, I just want to be ready. And I want my eyes to be lifted up. And I want to seize the opportunity to share some of Christ. I can't count the number of times I've, I've shared, I've talked with people. And, I, and this is what I do. I, my go-to is, man, I grew up in this crazy family. I'm from Boston. And we were out to lunch. We were a mess. When I was 19 years old, I was in the Army. And these other, I was an airborne medic and man these other guys these two friends of mine in my medical platoon shared the gospel they shared the i tried not to use gospel they shared this news with me that that jesus christ came and gave his life for me so that i could know god isn't that awesome that's the gospel that's my story man i came to know my heavenly father i have peace with god isn't that so awesome man there's a joy in my life that i've got I've got life, not just, I'm not living, I'm, I'm alive. And you know, it can be 30 seconds, can be a minute, can be whatever, depending on what the, what the time is. I mean, when you're waiting at Walmart, right, and there's a line that's, you know, three or four or five deep, shoot, you can have a 10-minute conversation right there. Anybody, I mean, it's, it's awesome. And listen, I'm telling you, at times people are not going to be interested. That's okay. You've got to have a little bit of thick skin to have an outreach lifestyle. You know, people, some people are going to reject you. Is that all right? Some people aren't going to like it. Some people are going to scowl at you. But there are people. There are people, I guarantee, if you run out this week and do some of what I'm saying this morning, which I hope you'll do, you're going to bump into some people that are open. Jesus said it, right? It's not four more months in the harvest. There's white harvest. There's an abundant harvest in Washington, D.C. this week. Today, it's not four more months. Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior, said, that's a, said, said so, right? The harvest is white. There's abundant harvest. It's out there. We've just got to be fishing for it, reaching for people. Listen, you can do this anywhere. You can do it anywhere. Matter of fact, years, this is a few years back. This is a funny story, though. I was golfing. I'm not a very good golfer. I just hack around out there. I just go play nine holes and walk it. And so <clears throat> this is a few years back. I was in Newport News, Virginia. This is a crazy story. So I'm at the, um, the little booth there, where they call that, you know, the, the, the starter. There it is, sorry. All you golfers are like, this guy's an idiot. He's not a golfer. <laughs> so I go to the starter's booth, and I see there's a gentleman there in front waiting to, to, to tee off as well. He's just going to go walk nine holes. So in my spirit, my heart, I thought, man, I'm going to try to connect with this guy. I call it golf evangelism. So what I do is I purposely, I, I walk up and I check in with the starter and then I turn around and the dude's standing there. I said, hey, bro, you want to just play, you want to just play together today? He's like, sure, that'd be cool. 
So we get on the first tee box and we're hitting away and this guy's cussing up a storm like crazy, crazy talk. And uh, so after about a hole or two, we get into it. I start sharing a little bit of my story. I say, hey, bro, I noticed your accent's kind of got a New England accent. He said, yeah, I'm from Massachusetts. I said, get out of Dodge, bro. I'm from the Boston area too, man. And I said, oh, where are you from? He said, I'm from Norwell. Norwell is this town of like maybe a thousand people where I grew up. And not only that, the dude's about eight, 10 years old than me. I came from a family of 12 kids. I was number nine, right? So this dude actually was the tr one of the troublemakers my older brothers used to hang out with 40 years ago. Unbelievable. I mean, my jaw just dropped. Are you kidding me? I mean, his family was infamous in Norwell, and so were the Hallerans. I mean, the two infamous families of Norwell, Massachusetts, was this dude, his Oh my goodness, they were trouble. We were trouble. And uh, so here we are 40 years later, just happened to be on a golf course together in Newport News, Virginia at the same time. And so I shared the gospel. I shared my story. I mean, I bent his ear. You know, I just, I, I'm never, probably never going to see this dude again or whatever. And man, just had a great time. He wasn't super stoked. He wasn't super open, but man, it was a blast. It was a blast just to share what God had done in my life. Engaging people on the way. So you see how these things begin to tie together? See, you prepare your heart every day. You're an ambassador. Look at your, your spouse or whoever's next to you. Say, you're an ambassador. Look them in the eye and say it. Come on, say it with some conviction. You're an ambassador. You're an ambassador. And so as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, we got to get up in the morning, get ready to do our job. This is our job. We don't get paid. We'll get paid on into eternity. You know what it says? Those that lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Anybody interested in shining like a star forever? Oh, yeah, I am. Count me in. That sounds pretty good to me. So we get up and we, we get ready. We get our heart ready. We're praying for those opportunities. Then we lift up our eyes. And we're seeing the people that we're bumping into. And as we're going along our way, we're going along our way. Wherever it is you go, you're bringing the good news of the gospel. You're bringing the life of Christ. You're bringing the joy of the Lord. You're bringing the love of God, right? It's shed abroad in your heart and you're bringing it. You're bringing the word of God no matter where you go. Your heart is ready, your eyes are open, then you're seizing the opportunities that come your way. Sound like a plan? Anybody get this? It's not rocket science, man. I'm not all that smart, but this we can do. Transit. Listen, this you can do, you can do it. Jim Valvano says, you can do it. Ah, oh, you guys are too young to remember that guy anyway, sorry. All right, number four, look him up. NC State, 1983. Number four, you need some tools for kingdom outreach, all right? Listen, there's never, ever been a harvest without some sweat. Fact, right? Never. There never has been. There never will be. If you're going to bring in a harvest of souls, you're going to reach for people. It's going to take some work. It's going to take some sweat. It's work. And I believe this is a big reason why so many Christians don't actively reach for people. They don't have this lifestyle. But not you guys. You guys got it. Come on, transit, you got it. You can do this. You can. 
And I know, listen, you're looking at one of the, I mean, I was so beat up when I came to Christ, so insecure, so full of fear. I mean, my family was a wreck. I mean, it's a miracle that I, didn't, I wasn't killed or you know, dead or, or in jail by the time I was 14. No joke. John Scott can tell you about that. I mean, I, we, we were just a wreck, smoking dope in elementary school and all sorts of trouble in junior high school. I didn't wait till high school. I said, sure, why wait till high school, man? We just breaking and entering and stealing. I had my rights. I mean, we, I was a mess. And so when I came to Christ, I lost my mom. She was killed in the car wreck. Dad was an alcoholic. Our whole family shattered about. So you're looking at one of the most insecure, fearful men that's ever lived. And yet, by the grace of God, I've gotten beyond all that, and I'm free. And the inhibitions are gone. The insecurity is gone. The fear is gone because I am a son of God. I am an ambassador for the Son of God, and I'm alive in Him, through Him, and for Him. And here we are on the earth. I mean, it's like, man, if we're not going to tap into this lifestyle, it's like, man, beam me up. Might as well go home. Beam me up, Scotty. I'm good. Why be down here sucking air if we're not doing something to make the world a better place and change the world for Christ? That's my story. It's like, man, Lord, help us. Holy Spirit can empower us to be his witnesses no matter where we go. But we need some tools. We need some tools. Check it out. Isaiah 28 will be done here in just a minute. This is an interesting scripture. It's all about harvest and how to work harvest. Uh, Isaiah 28, starting in 23, give ear and hear my voice. I believe God's saying that this morning. Transit, give ear. God is speaking here this morning. Give ear, hear my voice, God says. Give attention and hear my speech. Does he who plows for sowing plow continually? Does he continually open and harrow his ground? When he has leveled the surface, does he not scatter dill, sow, and cumin, and put in wheat and rose and barley in its proper place and wheat as the border? For he is rightly instructed. His God teaches him. You see, God can teach you how to walk this out. You see, the way you walk it out is going to be different from the way I walk it out. But I believe even as a church, and I'm sure Nick has plans and Joseph, the different leaders, as far as corporate outreach, that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking more about individual outreach and, and just walking out this lifestyle. But, but, uh, but the way you do it is going to be different. You've got different gifts and talents and abilities and, and all of that. And so... We, we need to be instructed by God. Dill is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor is a cart wheel rolled over cumin. But dill is beaten out with a stick and cumin with a rod. Does one crush grain for bread? No, he does not thresh it forever. When he drives his cart wheel over it uh, with, with his horses, he does not crush it. This also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. You see, God can counsel us and he can lead us. He can give us wisdom on how to walk this out. I'm not a farmer and I definitely don't understand all of this language, but some things are very, very clear. There are different seasons and there are different kinds of harvest, different fields. I mean, if you're an IT person and that's your world and that's where you work, Man, that's not me for sure. I mean, it's like, gag me. Oh, keep me away from all that stuff. Let me just go out and pray and preach and just 
disciple some people, but if, if that's where you are, that's your world. How are you going to reach those IT people? If you're in the medical field or you're in law, or you're in whatever, you know, we all, there are different fields and we've got to understand how to reach for them. We need wisdom from God to know the field that we're working in, the season that we're in. What is God doing in your work environment? What is God doing in your neighborhood? What is God doing in the places you hang out, the parks or whatever it is uh, that you do? Matter of fact, my wife and I are intentionally going to have a volleyball small group this summer. Colorado Springs is all about outdoors, man. Everybody's outdoors and they love their dogs. I'm telling you, they love their dogs. They love being outside. So there's a park right next to our condo that we just bought and we're going to have a volleyball uh, little out. It's going to be a small group. It's going to be some community going there. But our main purpose is we want to meet other people at the park, connect with them, play some volleyball. Hopefully they won't get too mad at my terrible skills or whatever if they get serious about that. But but we, we're going we're gonna to build some friendships this summer and reach some people for Christ on a volleyball pit, right? Simple as that. It's just, it can be anything that we use. And so for different crops, I know back in the day, we did campus ministry up in Boston. We were at Harvard and MIT and Boston University, all these different schools. And when we were at MIT, we used apologetics a bunch because some wicked smart people up there and um, they were so smart, too smart for me, really. But, but we had some good harvest. There was great movement there at MIT, but that's what we used. When we were back in North Carolina, I was pastor on staff. I was the pastor of prayer and outreach, my two favorite things. They were paying me to do my two favorite things. Like, that was a good job. It was awesome. But down, down there in the Bible Belt, we used what we call a, a heaven booth. And it was just like a little wooden booth thing that we'd bring to fairs, and we just... We'd, we'd pay the space to get the best spots in a fair, and then we'd be hanging out and inviting people in to take this two-question test and sharing the gospel. That was Bible Belt. You can do that down there. It probably would not work up in Boston at all. You know, Right now, we're reaching for people in Colorado Springs, and like I said a minute ago, they love their dogs. There's a huge dog park in this park. I mean, I've never seen them. It's the most beautiful dog park you'll ever see. I mean, it's got to be 40 acres, man. And there are literally hundreds of dogs running around that park every day. So, you know, what we've already doing, we're already doing outreaches at the dog park. We bring free doggy treats and bottles of water and, and little snacks for the humans as well. Hey, we're taking care of both of you. And, but we're out there reaching for people at the dog park. People are into their dogs. So, you know what we're going to do? We're going to be into their dogs with them. Hey, that's such a beautiful dog. That's the ugliest dog. No, I'm joking. Hanging out, con connecting, right? Connecting. We've got to reach. To, to reach for people, we've got to go where they are, connect with them, love them, serve them, honor them, and share Christ. Build a bridge, but let's take the gospel over that bridge eventually, right? So good. So what tools would work here in the D.C. area? You guys know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Take time to pray, to wait on God. He can download ideas to your heart. He is wonderful in counsel. He's excellent in wisdom. God has wisdom without limit. Do you think, God, you could go home over these next weeks and months and pray every day? God, give me wisdom on how to reach my neighbors. Do you think God would answer that prayer? Absolutely. And he can just drop little ideas little thoughts into your heart and your mind. 
And then you talk about them with your spouse. You talk about them maybe with Pastor Nick. You talk of, you know, with your fam or whatever. And, and, then, and then you just go, just do it, right? Like Nike, just do it, right? That's what we got to do sometimes. We overthink things at times. We can engage in this kingdom outreach. So here's a few possible tools uh, that you can pick up. And, and uh, one, my favorite that I use pretty much every single day when I run out of these things, I get really irritated at myself. It's like, Chris, what are you doing? You know, church invites. I don't know if you guys have church invites, but um, man, I have some of these church invites, you know, all the different places we've served and worked and labored. But this is a church invite from our church there in Colorado Springs. And, and as I said, you're invited. So no matter where I go, I've got these in my car, and I, and I, and I give them to the, to the gal at Starbucks. I give them to the gal, you know, wherever it is, the Wawa, wherever it is you go. I mean, restaurants, whatever. I go through probably about 20 of these a week because what, what am I doing? I'm sowing, right? If we want to reap, we've got to sow. And so that's a, you know, church invites, I think is a great thing. And you guys could develop that if you don't have one yet. And if you do have it, and Pastor Nick, you know, the, the team's got some, man, grab them. Empty that box out today on your way out. Just put some in your car. I just have them in my car, and I'm thinking about it, right? So when I go to wherever, I pick one up, put it in my pocket, and, and you don't have to be weird again about it, right? It's so simple. It's like, I, this is my tagline. Hey, do you ever get one of these? You guys like that? Hey, do you ever get one of these? And they're like, what? What is that? Oh, it's just a church invite. We'd love to have you be our guest someday. Simple as that. You don't have to be weird. You don't have to be whatever. It's like, hey, do you get one of these? Whatever it is you want to use. But church invites, I think it's a no-brainer. How about these in the name of love cards? I don't know if you guys have these, Pastor Nick not, but this is just a little card, and it says in the name of love. That's what we call it. And I can give all this stuff to Pastor Nick, but this is a little, basically the idea is you go to wherever, maybe it's Dunkin' Donuts, you can get some coffee, and you leave $5 or $10 with the, peop- the, the person at the drive-thru at the window, and you leave them this card, hey, I just want to help pay for this next customer's coffee. I'm going to leave this $10 bill with you. And if you could just give them, tell them, hey, that class, that, their cup of coffee is on me. And you leave that card with the person at the window. They give the card to the person and give them a free cup of coffee in the name of love. So it says, we hope that this simple act done in the name of, the, of love brightens up your day. We love because Jesus first loved us, no strings attached. We simply wanted to pass that same love on to you no strings attached. And it's got, you know, Man of Church, it's got a website on there. You know, that's a, great, that's a great little tool. It's awesome. We've been doing this for years. You can use that wherever. Uh, this, is, uh, this is one of my favorite gospel tracks called The Story. And, um, you know, it's just very, very well done. It talks about the creation and the fall and the rescue and, and God, the promises of God. And just a great track. I mean, that might be something you know, that you pick up and, and, and use somewhere. Maybe you guys have seen that. And the little book I've used many, for many, many years called uh, How Good Is uh, Good Enough by Andy Stanley. Great little book. It's a little, you know, it might be something that you might use for someone that you're building a relationship with and it's a more of a long-term relationship. You've been reaching for them maybe at some point and it's basically the gospel. It's about a 40-page book, but it just lays out the gospel called How Good Is Good Enough. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this two-question test. And again, I'm going to leave all this stuff with Pastor Nick. He can check it out. But this is, this is a, a test that we used at that heaven booth, and I've used it in different places. I've used it around the world. But it's, uh, you know, are you going to heaven? Their two-question test reveals the answer. And you guys, anybody ever heard of Evangelism Explosion? 
Oh man, that's way back there, but I am really old dating myself here, but it was a great tool. It's not quite as um, useful today, but do you believe you go to heaven when you die? Yes, no, I hope so. You just read this thing, and then, you know, why do you believe this? You've tried to keep, keep the Ten Commandments. You go to church. You believe in God, blah, blah, blah. It may surprise you, but according to the Bible, none of these answers printed on the previous page would get someone into heaven. That's the end of the test. And then you go on and ask them, hey, you know, could I share with you how I came to know I have eternal life and how you can too? And just share the gospel with them. Great little thing. This is something we use down in Virginia every once in a while down in Newport News, a little um, thing we use for community outreach. It's just a question. Uh, and so we'd have a clipboard and we have some of the, several papers on this clipboard. And, and the question is, what are three things you think the Christian church ought to be doing for the community? So you've got a stack of these papers on a little clipboard and you go with a guy and a gal together. You know, you don't want to be a God squad with 10 people overwhelming them, but you always, female, male is good to go together and you're, and you're going door to door and, and you knock on the door and, and it's, hey, we're from, we're from the transit right down the road here. And man, we're just doing this little survey. We're, we're trying to find out if there, what are three things you think the Christian church ought to be doing uh, for the community? And again, if they you know, slam the door in your face or whatever, fine, you just go to the next door. But I'm telling you, people love to be asked questions. And asking questions is a great way because you're not coming in there like, oh, I know everything, let me tell you everything. You're asking a question, and a question oftentimes opens people's heart a little bit. Instead of you telling them all about yourself, ask them, what do you think? What do you think the Christian church? What, what should we be doing to be a blessing to the community? What should we be doing? You know what? You might get some good ideas about how to reach the community from the people in the community. So that's a good one. Uh, special invites, of course, for special events, Christmas, Easter, preaching series. We've used door hangers. We did this last year, all year long. We've, I think we hung about 80,000 door hangers all around our community. And it was just an invite, just a very generic invite. But, uh, but we saw people come. We saw people come through the front door and uh, we just hung door hangers and we spread them out among the church and all throughout the year. It's just an ongoing outreach that we use. But, but anyhow, these are just some possible tools, but building a kingdom outreach lifestyle. It's not going to happen overnight, but man, what's the next step? And that's my challenge for every single one of you in the room, any of you that are with us online. What's your next step? Is God, the Holy Spirit, speaking to you this morning? As you go home, pray into this and think about it and sit before God and ask him, God, give me wisdom. Give me direction. How can I step into this kingdom outreach lifestyle at work, in my neighborhood, at wherever it is you go, at the gym, whatever it might be? What can I do? God, lead me. Lead me. Take that next step. So I'm actively praying. Seriously, this is one of my serious burdens of my heart for the transit. I'm praying for you every week, every week. I'm spending hours. It's my part-time job. I'm praying for nine different churches. You guys are one of them. And I'm just laying hold, crying out for grace and God's anointing and his favor and his blessing to be on you and on this work and on your outreach efforts, on your Sunday celebrations, on your small groups. And um, so, you know, let's build an outreach culture. Let's build it. One step at a time. That's how it happens. I know this is God's heart. He's not wanting that any should perish. You guys know that scripture? God is not wanting that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. And 
Again, I want that to burn in my heart. Would you stand to your feet with me? I want to pray for us real quickly. Wrap this thing up. Sorry if I was a little long. I get a little passionate about this uh, topic. And I just love the fact that we get to be a part of seeing people's eternal destiny shift. Isn't that awesome? Anybody with me? That's so exciting. It's so awesome. It's more important than how much money you got in your bank. It's more important than, you know, what house you got, a car you got, stuff, all these things. They're wonderful. They're great. We thank God. But this is, this is life. Life eternal. Why don't you pray with me? Father God, I thank you. God, I thank you for your presence here this morning. God, I thank you for the transit. I thank you for these precious brothers and sisters, these families, God, this, this uh, agent, these agents, God, of your kingdom. God, I thank you for this life-giving community. God, I thank you for your presence in this house. I thank you for the word of God that comes through. It comes to and through this house. I pray blessing on the transit. I pray blessing, God, as each one of us take a new step, a fresh step of faith to step out into an outreach, a kingdom outreach culture, a kingdom outreach lifestyle. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, even right now, speak to every person in this room, every person that's viewing online. Speak to our hearts, God. What is that next step you have for us? Help us even tomorrow to put on those gospel shoes. God, help us this week to lift up our eyes and see. Help us, God, to engage with the people along the way. And do lead us, Father, concerning what tools we're to pick up, what tools we can take to the harvest field. God, what an honor to represent you on the earth. What an honor to carry the name of Christ to our neighbors, co-workers, to our city. God, I pray for your anointing, your blessing, your favor to be on us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.